But what does pride do? It subtly grows within a person and little by little, they start to think that all accomplishments are their accomplishments. And the greatest injustice occurs that they begin to think that they don't need God and that God has nothing to do with them. It's the sin that is most insulting to God. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be talking about pride. This is probably one of the greatest problems mankind has today, and it's the problem that is very hard to detect when it starts. Yet if pride is left unchecked and undealt with, it can destroy a person forever. Pride is what does not let people receive Christ into their lives. Pride is what makes people believe that they don't need God either in certain areas of their life or in all of their life. If a person wants to be allowed into God's kingdom, pride has to be done away with completely. There is no room for any kind of pride when standing before the Lord God Almighty. Today's message is inspired on 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessed be your name. Hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, O Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Blessed Lord, Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you, O God. I pray for your forgiveness. I pray for your mercy. Heavenly Father, I lean on your love and your grace. Heavenly Father, please always forgive us, O God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, that you may please also guide us and that you may help us, O Lord, to be able to understand your word, your message. Heavenly Father, I pray that you help us, O Lord, to be sensitive to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today's passage can be found in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 26. This is the word of the Lord. Now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. And he built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Now he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabna, and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians who lived in Ger, Baal, and against the Meonites. Also the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah. His fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became exceedingly strong. And Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the corner buttress of the wall. Then he fortified them. Also he built towers in the desert. He dug many wells, for he had much livestock, both in the lowlands and in the plains. He also had farmers and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies, according to the number on their roll as prepared by Jael, the scribe, and Maaseiah, the officer, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. 
The total number of chief officers of mighty men of valor was 2,600, and under their authority was an army of 307,500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. Then Uzziah prepared for them, for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. And he made devices in Jerusalem, invited by skillful men, to be on the towers and the corners, to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped till he became strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him were eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. And Uzziah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also harried to get out, because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah from first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote. So Uzziah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial which belonged to the kings, for they said, he is a leper. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. In today's passage, we read of King Uzziah and that he had, for the most part, quite a triumphant life. He started reigning when he was a young man, a 16-year-old teenager. And we read that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. But something happened in the latter part of his life. Something went wrong. And there is a detail that the scriptures highlight where it says that as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So there came a time when he did not look for the Lord. And if we look towards the end of his life, we read of an incident where pride had taken over in his life. And things went terribly wrong for him, which ultimately led to his death. God has a big problem with pride. Or this is another way we can say it also. Pride can destroy a person. As we have mentioned before, God explains what is sin and why it is wrong for us to sin, because in the end, sin can destroy our life. Avoiding sin is ultimately in our benefit. We must always remember that God remains completely unaffected by our sin. Sin does not impact God. He is completely safe from it. Sin has no power or effect on his state. God has been since eternity and will remain for all eternity. Sin is ultimately a problem that affects mankind. So when a person sins, they are only hurting themselves and all those around them, but they are not impacting God in the slightest way from a state of point of view. God's state is immovable. God doesn't like to see people do themselves in with sin, but his state as God is completely untouched. We are the ones that come out losing when we sin. We are the ones that have everything to lose when we let sin run our lives. And of course, 
If we die in our sins without God's forgiveness, without God's redemption through Jesus Christ, we are the ones that will suffer the consequences for all eternity. Some people think that hell is not a real place or that it is some sort of resort for the wicked where a person can do anything they want to do. But hell is a real place and the Bible explains that it is a place of eternal torment and punishment. It is a place of darkness, of wailing and gnashing of teeth. It is a place where the virtues of God or the fruit of the Spirit are not present, like love, peace, and joy, and so on. If there is any kind of measure of love, peace, and joy in this world, it is because God's presence is somehow around us. God is the one that allows for these things to be in our environment. Some people think that they are tough and that they can deal with anything, but they have never experienced anything like hell before. It is certainly a place to avoid, especially because once a person is condemned to go there, there is no coming back. There is no return. Once there, that is it. It is over. And all that person has to look forward to is the worst experience anyone could ever have, and it will be forever. And so God points out sin for our benefit. He wants for people to avoid eternal punishment. He wants for people to avoid destruction. He wants for us to avoid the pain, the agony, and the consequences that sin can bring about. And at the very top of the list of sins that God hates because of how destructive it can be is pride. It is written in Proverbs chapter 6, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Pride is at the very top of the list. It's number one on the list of things that God hates. And as such, pride is a thing that destroys the fastest. That's the problem with the sin of pride. All sin is death and the wages of sin is death. But pride is the most subtle and yet the quickest to do away with all of the good that may have been done. And that's what happened with this King Uzziah, that had started so well, that had done things right before the Lord. Uzziah's problem was that he thought he could do whatever he wanted to do. He felt that nothing was beyond his reach. Power and success had gone to his head. He started believing that all of those things that came out right were his doing. The only thing he did right was look for the Lord. That's the only thing anyone could take any kind of credit for if they chose to use their free will to search for the Lord. But that within itself doesn't happen instinctively either. God is the one that is always searching for us, calling out to us. From the moment the sun rises, God is calling man. He allows for all of his wonders and all of his creation to show man who he is and what he is capable of doing. And so God is the one that takes the initiative. He is the one that reaches out to man. He is the one that goes looking for you and me. But what does pride do? It subtly grows within a person and little by little, they start to think that all accomplishments are their accomplishments. And the greatest injustice occurs that they begin to think that they don't need God and that God has nothing to do with them. It's the sin that is most insulting to God. How can anyone say that they don't need God when their existence depends on God? Their heart beats because God wills it. Their lungs can breathe air because God says so. The functions of their brain, all of those involuntary things that happen that allow for them to exist are all working because God allows it. So how can anyone say that they don't need God? It's utter stupidity. 
There is no softer way of putting it. Yet pride is what causes that. Josiah's pride took over in his life when he stopped looking for God. And that's a problem that subtly starts when a person doesn't feel like they need God very much anymore. It doesn't happen overnight. And then as a result, Uzziah thought he could do anything he wanted without being affected in any kind of way. He was wrong, like many people are wrong to have pride. They are free to do whatever they want to do, but everything has consequences. And this thing that our society has now, where they are proud of their sin, thereby glorifying their evil deeds and desires, will also be their own downfall. And if they don't turn away from pride, they will suffer eternal consequences. They will cause their own destruction, their eternal destruction, out of their own free will. When you sin willfully against the Lord, you are casting yourself to your eternal punishment. You are bringing upon yourself your own calamity. There is one other being long, long ago that left this pride take them over. If we read in Isaiah chapter 14, we see this. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroys its cities? Who did not open the house of his prisoners? Lucifer became Satan when he allowed for the sin of pride to take over. That's how this whole Satan problem happened. And no matter how mighty Satan thinks he is, his days are numbered, and all those who follow his ways will also have the same end. Evil will be defeated eternally and forever. God will deal with it inevitably. That is set to happen when he says it's time. This is why it is in everyone's best interest to stay away from any kind of pride. Humbleness before the Lord is true wisdom. Pride only hurts. It only causes destruction sooner or later. And it undoes all of the good things that could have happened before it came into the picture. It erases the successes and triumphs of the past. If pride is not dealt with conclusively, it will destroy a person forever. We read of another story in the Bible where pride became a problem. In Daniel chapter 4, we read of King Nebuchadnezzar and of his fall because of pride. God had given a dream to Nebuchadnezzar, showing him what would happen to him because of his pride, because of forgetting that God had given him everything. This is what it says. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens, and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. 
And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beast of the field, till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, that this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there will be a lengthening of your prosperity. And this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whoever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar, he was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. So you see, pride only destroys. Sooner or later, pride will cause some sort of damage, some sort of destruction, and the fall is at hand. God has to show people that pride is foolish and the only thing that matters is when and how he does it. God, in this case, wanted to teach Nebuchadnezzar a lesson. God didn't want Nebuchadnezzar's life to be destroyed. And because he saw that Nebuchadnezzar's pride was not deep-seated, it was a moment of stupidity that Nebuchadnezzar was going through. But the problem is when God lets a person's pride just take over and just lets it run and take its course. That is when God is not showing any kind of mercy. That's the mistake that some people commit. They think that nothing wrong is happening to them because they see no immediate consequences. They think that they got away with it or that everything is fine or that there are no consequences to sin. But that is far from the truth. If there are no apparent consequences and things continue looking fine until the end, that means that God is letting that person write out their sin until the end. And he is allowing them to suffer the eternal consequence of their sin. That is by far the worst that can happen to anyone. When God lets a person just be with their sin and rebellion against him, then he is just letting them have what they want, an eternal future without God. There are people that are so set in their ways, in their hatred for God, that God will just give them what they want, an eternity without him. He will let them pursue their folly without any kind of impotence, just giving them up to their own sin and wickedness. But that is not what God wanted for Nebuchadnezzar. God dealt with his pride and in such a way that Nebuchadnezzar could find his way back and repent. 
And the king did realize what he had done wrong and did in fact turn away from his evil, from his sin, from his pride. Daniel chapter 4 tells us the conclusion of this episode in Nebuchadnezzar's life where it says, And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or to say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason turned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. So quite clearly, Nebuchadnezzar learned his lesson. He was truly a wise person and gained much by yielding to a certain truth, that God is God and that he owed him everything. And this is the reality that pride tries to do away with, that God is God. Pride clouds any kind of sane judgment and makes a person think that they don't need God and that they can do things on their own. And of course, the worst kind of pride is when a person goes against God and takes pride in their sin. That is sin upon sin. And in that situation, with deep-seated pride, God may very well just let them continue on that course to the point where there is no turning back. If a person is set on their pride, he will let them continue on that course and their own sin will be their own undoing. This is what it says in Romans chapter one. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made of like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And so it is in your best interest, beware of pride, run away from it, do whatever you can to stay away from any kind of pride because it will destroy you. And if you let it be in your life, it can destroy you forever. How does pride come into a person's life? Quite subtly, it can be like a cancer in a person's life. It starts one little place at a time. For instance, some people will think, it's impossible for me to have done everything wrong. Why do I need to repent from everything I've done? And that may very well be. And not everything per se has been done wrong, but there is no right we can do on our own without God. 
The moment we did something, even though it may have been right within itself, if God was not the reason for it happening, it is sin. Someone might say, how can that be? Why does God have to be the reason for everything we do? And the answer is that there is only one perfection in the whole entire universe, and that is the Lord. And so the Lord is the one that needs to be the generator and or the reason for everything we do. And here is where a very thin and exact line is drawn. This is the perfection that we need to attain through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only reason for why we should do things, the ultimate goal for all of our decisions should be because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. The center of the law, the very thing that the Lord came to fulfill in our lives is a foundation for everything. For it is written, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. There should be a singleness in our heart, in our soul, in our whole being. The reason for our existence and for everything we do should be because we have come to love the Lord above all things. And if that is not the reason for why we do things, even though they may be good things, it is all wrong. The foundation is all wrong. It's like building a house on a crooked foundation. It will never look right or be right. And pride is the thing that tells you that not everything could be wrong or that you don't need to turn away from everything wrong. And what keeps most people just inches or centimeters away, if you will, from coming to a true and personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and ultimately from entering God's kingdom. And if you let those inches or centimeters of pride take their course, that small portion of pride will take over your whole life and grow like a cancer, if you let it, and it will destroy you eternally. That's why the things of God are not even necessarily related to morality, because morality is not going to get you into heaven. The will of the Father is that you love Him above all things, and that you do all things focused only on Him, that He is the reason for everything. Why? Because it's only fair. You and I owe Him absolutely everything good, and the only fair thing to do is to return that same love he has for us and that can only happen through the Lord Jesus Christ. I urge you today to leave behind any and all pride and acknowledge the reality that the Lord is God and that you turn to him with all of your heart, not just bits and pieces, by repenting and converting from all of your sins and making him the effective and literal Lord of your life. Do that today for your own good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessed be your name. Lord, help us to understand when there is pride in our lives. Help us to understand when it is subtly creeping in. And help us, O oh Lord, through you to be able to deal with it and to do away with it. Help us to understand that there can be no pride in our lives. That we need to put you first and that your will be done and not ours. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand that with all of our hearts and to be able to be laser focused on you and that you be the reason for why we do everything in life. Blessed be your name, O oh God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, 
please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.